Okay, so let me tell you a little bit, bit about who we are and how we work um, before I talk at all about Daniel. I'm just raring to go about Daniel, but let me tell you a little bit about who we are. First, um, every year we have people that join us that worship in other um, churches, and we are thrilled that you are here. And don't hesitate to not invite your neighbors. Maybe their church doesn't have a women's Bible study. We love others to join us. Thank you for coming. Um, we really appreciate that you would uh, trust us enough with you and your time. Um, but I do want to tell you some things that inform how we work here at Watermark, because it will help you understand how we roll. Somebody says that. I don't know who. It doesn't really sound like me, but somebody out there says how we roll. So anyway, um, our mission at Watermark, if you go on our website or if you're ever around Watermark, you will know that our mission is to become fully devoted. Say it with me. There you go. That's so good. I love answers from the class on the first day. That is great. You're just priming the pump because I'm going to call on you later today. So, um, yes, it's to be fully devoted followers of Christ. So, we are a Bible study. So, as a subset of that, we are here to be fully devoted followers of Christ or to learn to be through the study of God's Word or your Bible, however you want to say it. I don't care. It's the same, same thing. So our belief is that the Bible is the inerrant, meaning, big word, no errors. No errors in this book. That is our belief, that, that what is here is, as if you were teaching children, everything in God's Word is that's how you teach children, in case you didn't know that. Yeah, that's how we start teaching our children. When we're telling a story downstairs, we say, kids, boys and girls, I'm going to tell you a story out of the Bible. This is God's holy word. And did you know every word in here is? We say that over and over. So can't say it enough. I'm going to tell it to you too. That's what we believe and it will inform everything that we do. The other thing that you need to know is that we are um, undergirded by prayer, but we're not a prayer group. We have an hour and a half. It's just not a lot of time. So we need to focus that time on studying God's word. But we want you to know we begin in here, our leaders do, every Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock, and we spend 30 minutes praying for you. If you have a need, we want to know. All right, and when we study, I want to tell you a little bit about the study, that we use a three-pronged approach when we study. The first thing that you're going to receive today when you walk into your room is a workbook, and it looks like this, not exactly, kind of, because this is the commentary, but um, it will look essentially like this. It's written by Warren Wearsby, fabulous, I think, um, study. And um, your leaders today will go over how to approach the study and what to do. So I'm going to tell you right now that the first lesson has 15 questions because I've done it. I'm ahead of the game. And um, I would recommend, I'm just going to throw this out there, that you do, uh, I wouldn't wait to sit down and do it all together. You will gain far more if you do two to three questions every day, seven days in a week. Seven times two is 14. You're almost there. So take your pick. But I would at least sit down and do a couple every day. Um, it will really help you to meditate on and to really think about what you're reading. We're basically going a chapter a week. One chapter in Daniel is not that much. So you can read and reread the chapter to really say, what's it saying to me? What is the message in here? Um, pretend like you're going to teach and say, what would I say about this? What's the theme? What's going on here? Um, and then you can check me and see if myself or the others teaching got it. Um, so do your workbook. We also have a commentary. Um, and these will be available on the table outside. If you'd like to do additional reading, this is 
the actual commentary and it, it's great application and puts it in today's terms that you can understand with things that you're like, oh yeah, I see that now. Makes it crystal clear. These will be available for $8 outside. Now what you can do is write one check for everything because you signed up this year but you didn't pay. So in your groups today, the cost of the course is $20 and that covers your book, um, copies, other things that we do for you throughout the year are covered under that, not the commentary. But if you want to write one check or you want to just pay one time, you put 28 bucks in the list and then honor system. You just go by the table and say, I already paid and pick up your book. These will be waiting on the administration table outside where you picked up your name tag when you leave here. So if you're wanting one, grab one. If we run out, we'll order more and have them for you next week. Okay, so workbook commentary, first thing. Second prong approach is your small group. Um, you will begin every Wednesday at 1030 in your small group. So be on time. You don't want to miss anything. And that's when you'll talk as a group about the lesson, the questions, anything you didn't understand, and just more than anything, how what you got out of it for you. So for me this week, I was challenged to do what? I will do X. I Okay, so we want to make it personal. And then after that, you'll come back in here for teaching. We flipped it today, um, so we're going to start with teaching because we're doing the broad brush overview. So those are the specifics of the study. What about Daniel? Let's talk about that for just a few minutes before we dismiss you to your small groups. Um, back to school. We've just had it, and you just got to love it, especially when you're a mom. As much as I love the end of school and knowing we've got freedom and no schedule, kind of that last week before school starts, I'm thinking, where's the schedule? We need a schedule here. Um, but as a kid, I loved back to school because it meant all kinds of things. One, you got to find out who was going to be in your class of your friends. That was always so much fun. And two, back to school shopping. I mean, I usually got a new pair of tennis shoes, red kids, usually in my case. I usually got a new item of clothing, something. I don't know what it was. I can't even remember, but something new. And then at my house in elementary, um, I, I got new supplies because you get the supply list and, you know, man, where'd those pencils go from last year? I don't know. And the pencil bag ripped and, you got to get a new one and all of that. So you got new supplies. And then I usually always got a new lunch pail because I had busted the, the, what do you call it? The thermos. Yeah. So, you know, those were the things. It was great. Sadly, as you age, that whole thing changes. And let's just talk about high school. Because by the time you get to high school, um, you feel like school really never ended. Right now, kids in high school have summer reading. And so, boom, 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 boom. All summer long, the mom is standing up and there, have you done your summer reading? Have you done your summer reading? I mean, oh my goodness, come on, are you kidding me? It never ends. And then, if you play football, or you cheer, or you're a, a drill team member, or a band member, Forget it. Your summer's over by the 1st of August at the first practice. Because, baby, we're running. We're already running before school starts. We're on to preparing for that first football game. And all of life revolves around that. And so, um, you know, it's just amazing what the beginning of school ushers in. Now, the other thing, if you're in high school, that it ushers in is this, again, this didn't happen in my years, but it's true today. The other thing is, after all of the um, affronting of having your days taken away by reading, it gets worse because you go to school and on the first week of school, you have to sit down and take a test because we have to find out if you really did read and did you comprehend anything that you read. Now, a really funny story on my son is he 
mm, he kind of procrastinates and he usually leaves things to the very last minute. Well, one year he got, he got really got the burr under his saddle and he was like, I'm going to get my summer reading done early. And so in like the first of June, he had read the book. So proud. Now, annotation, I'm not even sure he knows what the word means. So he didn't annotate the book and didn't make any notes, but he read the book and that was good. And we're proud of that and very excited. The problem is, by the time the test got there, he couldn't remember any of the details. I mean, he could tell you the overarching story, but I'll be darned if they don't look for the most minor things in those books and expect you to remember what they were. And so he didn't do very well. So none of us here are students anymore. Well, some of you may be somewhere, but generally speaking, this group, those days are over for us. Isn't that good? But since this is the first day of Bible study, in the um, spirit of of back-to-school days, I'm going to give you a test. And the exam today, so we're starting um, an old little Old Testament book by the name of Daniel, as you will know, that we're going to study this fall, and we're going to look at Isaiah um, next spring. Both of these are books of prophecy, prophets, Old Testament prophets. And so I want to see how, uh, what your knowledge is of Daniel. So my first and only question on the exam is, who is the main character in the book of Daniel? Oh, you don't have to say it out loud. Just say it in your head. Okay. Although this is a test, and I told you I was going to test you again. But just say it in your head, and let's see if you know. Well, you know, it seems like to me that it would be Daniel because his name's on the cover. It's the title of the book, and he appears on every single page. I don't think you could turn a page. I'm here right now, and every single page has Daniel's name all over it. I mean, surely the book is about Daniel, right? Well, um, he's very important. He's very well known. Any kid who ever went to Sunday school knows who Daniel is. He's famous. He's famous because of Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, we all know that. Whether you believe what's in the Bible or not, you know the story. So you might think it's about him but it's not. Well, maybe you think it's about his three close friends that were there with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ah, might be about them because they're famous too. If you ever went to Sunday school, you'll know them too. They were in the fiery furnace. Oh, but it's not about them either. That's a great story, but it's a tiny little part of the book. Then probably it's about the Jews because he was writing to them, right? They were held 70 years in captivity during this time. So surely, you know, he's writing to them. Mm, No, well, maybe the Gentile kings then because he served under four different kings. Maybe it was Nebuchadnezzar who was the one who actually conquered uh, Judah the land of Judah at the time, and took the nation into captivity. Maybe it's about him. He's the guy who dreamed of this golden image, big part of the story. We're going to read about it. Not about him. Okay, maybe it's his son, Belshazzar. He's the guy who coined the phrase, don't you love it when you coin something, you're gone, dead and gone for thousands of years, and everybody knows you because you've heard the handwriting on the wall? right here. This is the guy. It's the one that that little phrase came from. You're going to read all about him. But it's not about him. Tiny part of the book again. Um, Well, maybe then it's the frightful leaders that appear at the end of the book. There's writing about Antiochus Epiphanes. um, And history tells his story. We're going to talk about it, so don't worry if you don't know who he is. Or what about the Antichrist? Hasn't appeared on the scene yet that we know about, but he is the world dictator that will take over at the end of times. We're going to learn about him. But it's not about him. No, no. We will learn about them. But the one about whom the entire book revolves is God himself. We see him in vivid ways, seldom seen in scripture anywhere else. You're going to see the fingerprints of God, kind of remind you of that Stephen Curtis Chapman song, doesn't it? All over this book. 
It's awesome. So briefly, I'm going to throw out here in the few minutes that I have left, just a few little tidbits about the book, little appetizers that'll just leave you hungry for more, we hope, so that when you get home today, you will be so excited you won't want to waste a minute opening your Bible and looking to see what Daniel has to say to you. So today, I'm going to tell you three things big picture about Daniel. Um, We're going to learn today that Daniel is a book defined by God. We just spoke about that. I'm going to tell you a little more about it. It's different than the other books of prophecy that are written, and it is, some would say, difficult to understand. So what do we know about those? It is defined by God. Have you ever wondered in your life whether there really is a God? And if so, does he even care about me? Well, he does exist, and he does care about you. And in this book, we're going to see that he does just that for Daniel and his friends. And what he does for them, he will do for you. He, in this book, is a revealer of mysteries. He will send dreams and vision and provide um, interpretation. He alone knows the beginning from the end. In Daniel 2, 22 and 23, it says he reveals deep and mysterious things. He knows what is in the darkness and that the light dwells in him. We're going to see that God in the pages of this book is sovereign king. He's going to prove over and over that he is over all kings and kingdoms, governments. None exist that he didn't allow to be in place. Now stop and just let that take root in your, in your mind and in your heart for a moment. No government on this earth right now is in place that God didn't allow. Even the evil ones? I mean, I can think of plenty. I could make you a big, long list over them all. And that should give you great peace. No matter what your political affiliation, you have no reason to lose hope. Just like these guys in a captive, captives, they were taken captive. They had no reason to lose hope. God was in charge of it, just like he is today. He's going to prove that he has the power and the ability to completely humble conquerors, just like he does Nebuchadnezzar. Um, there are seven years of Nebuchadnezzar's life because he was proud and thought he was large and in charge. And he'll acknowledge God in little ways, but he never did humble himself and come to his knees. And so God has to take him there. For seven years, he is going to go literally insane. He's going to eat like oxen out in a field. Unbelievable. And then God's going to restore him. Why? Because he bends his proud knee. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. What a story. Daniel 4 tells us, and these are Nebuchadnezzar's words, after he finally bends his knees, he says, For God, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted for nothing. He does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. None can stay his hand. Ladies, You do not need to worry about whatever it is you're worrying about today. God is in charge. He's in control. He's faithful and true. He'll show that in this book as well. His children, the Jews in this case, are in a foreign land for 70 years, taken captive, and yet he shows up there so that not a hair on their head for those in the fiery furnace gets singed. And not a scratch appears on Daniel, even though he was thrown into a hungry den of lions. Amazing stuff. You think it's just kids' stories? Wow, you're wrong, and you're going to see it in a light you've never seen it in before. Daniel 3.28. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and all the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any 
power over the bodies of those men. The hairs of their heads was not singed. Their mantles were not harmed. And unbelievable, no smell of fire had come upon them. He is big enough to handle whatever it is in your life. And he's an upholder of justice, God is. In this book, we see that he hates sin and rebellion and that he will, like a good daddy, punish his people, his children, us, if you believe in him. And yet, he will temper this correction with mercy. He'll orchestrate a return to Jerusalem. By the time we get to the very end, there's preparation for that. He shows that any trial he allows in your life is for your good, for your purification, for your refinement, ultimately making you to be more like him. You think you got it bad. Allow God to transform you in the midst of the trial that he has you wherever it is. Isaiah 5 tells us this. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink. They do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hands. Therefore, my people will go into exile for want of knowledge. He was foretelling what happened in the book of Daniel. Isaiah was. Their honored men are dying of hunger and their multitude is parched with thirst. The Lord of hosts is exalted in justice and the holy God shows himself to be righteous. So you see, he'll take care of it when he finds it. Do not fear. He will... um, discipline those that he loves and that takes us to the second thing this little book of Daniel it's different than other prophetic books we know when we study scripture we should look at it in its context so that's what we're going to do the context of Daniel really three things number one you need to know that it was written from a pagan nation Babylon and we're Babylon in today's uh, on today's map who can tell me where what the country is Iraq Iraq. Yes, so where our soldiers, a huge gaggle of them are right now, maybe someone you know and love serving, this is the Babylon of of the story. It is in modern-day Iraq. It is from this pagan nation that Daniel lived most of his life. We're going to find he was taken as a teenager, and we're not sure what that means, exactly what that age is, but that could be anywhere from 13 to 18, 19. Whoops, I guess teen is 19. 13 to 19. So somewhere in there he was taken and never returned. He spent the rest of his days in Babylon. So he writes from that nation. It's written about a Gentile, about Gentile nations. He writes about several world powers that will come, and even the one at the end of all time led by the Antichrist himself. So he writes a lot about Gentiles. Um, Other prophets in the Old Testament, they do a lot of soul-searching and preaching to the Jewish people, not Daniel. He doesn't give any sermons in his doesn't give any sermons in here, but instead he's going to recount his own experiences of faith and deliverance while in the middle of a pagan land. Sound familiar? That you should be in the world, but not of the world? Isn't that us today? That's all of us in this room. If you claim to follow Jesus Christ, you are living as an exile, as a foreigner, just like Daniel and his friends. Prophets in the Old Testament generally focused on the Jewish nation, and they would tell of future blessings and future judgments, not Daniel. Daniel said as much about the Gentiles as he does the Jews, and his prophecies use strange images and mysterious symbols. And again, we see further information that would lead to that in that much of Daniel in its original writing, half, over half the book was written in Aramaic. That was the common language of the Gentiles. All others wrote in Hebrew, wrote and spoke in Hebrew. 
And that leads us to the last point, that, that Daniel can, some people say, be difficult to understand. Nowhere else in Scripture do we see some of the special things arise that arises in Daniel. Number one, it deals in uh, heavy symbolism and imagery, much like how you dream dreams. A week ago, I had some surgery, and um, they put you on pain medicine. It's just really amazing what you dream when you have pain. I would wake up and I would tell the cop, wow, that was the wildest dream. dream. Now, I couldn't exactly tell you what it was, but I knew it was wild. It was like, wow, that was a wild one. I'm not, I can't remember what the details were, but it was wild. Well, in this book, we're going to see a, many, not just a king who remembers, remembers his dreams were wild, and he can remember them in vivid detail, and they're going to be full of, of symbols and in in imagery that we're going to get to uncover and understand the um new test this new testament the, the new testament book that most parallels daniel is the book of revelation we've studied that in here several years ago and you're going to be happy to know that in this class we will pair revelation with this when we get to those images and we're going to look at some those two books hand in hand as we talk about it because one will help us interpret the other so we will use them together to try to understand and interpret what we see there are some doubts over the the dating of this book conservative scholars date this book at 537 bc somewhere around there which is shortly before daniel died but liberals place the dating 400 years later now why would they do that because you see they can't account for a supernatural god who is involved in the affairs of men they just can't account for that so what they say is um much of daniel has already come true. Over a hundred prophecies in this book have already come true. So right now, Daniel's batting a hundred percent. Everything he said, and that's the proof of a, of a prophet in the Old Testament, is they've got to be completely true. So far, so good. But there's several things that have not occurred yet. Time of the end that we're going to look at. So you're going to learn about end times in this Bible study. It's going to be great. But what you need to know is when Daniel was written, everything was at a future point then. And so the liberal scholars today look back and they go, no, 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 that couldn't have happened. I mean, someone had to take the history that had unfolded and write it after it took place because from the time Daniel was supposedly written by conservative scholars to the time liberals say 400 years had passed and world powers had come and gone, amazing ones, and we're all the way to the Roman Empire. And we're going to look at that and we're going to talk about that. But what we know is that... Um, it's true. God's word is absolutely true. And so what Daniel did would be like someone today standing in the 1500s and foretelling everything that happened in the 20th century. Okay, at the dawn of the, the 20th century, you're going to have World War One, and it's going to involve X, Y, and Z powers, and then there's going to be a Great Recession, and then there's going to be a Second World War, and it's going to be led by a guy out of Germany, and his name's going to be... It would be that type of detail. So you see how... In the 1500s, someone was saying, no way. There's no way. And yet, that is what Daniel has done. And so, um, it's, it's unbelievable, literally impossible, if you don't account for a supernatural God being involved in the affairs of men. 
And we know that's true. Look at Psalm 139. We know that God knows and has ordained all the days of our life. He's written them down. They're in his book of life. And so this is nothing. is a surprise to him. He knows it all. And we're going to see that in Daniel. And lastly, it's, this book is going to describe some difficulty in life because the nation of Israel was living through, had just lived through one of the most violent periods in its, in its history. What had happened is the kingdom had divided prior to this book. You had a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom kingdom was Israel. It had been taken captive and would never show up again. It had all evil kings, and that evil eventually got the best of them, and off the map it went, never returns. The southern kingdom was the kingdom of Judah, and it was taken over by Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar, and that's that's the opening pages of this book, and what we're going to read, we're going to read about Nebuchadnezzar to start, but we're going to read about the other world powers that will come after him, the Persians, the Medes, the Greeks, the Romans, we're going to see it all. So at the time of the writing, however, the Jewish people were living as captives in a foreign land. God had always come through for them. He had always been there, and he had always rescued the nation. But this time, for 70 years, there was no rescue. So the Jews lived without a land, a temple, no priest, no holy city, destitute, really, by all accounts. Thank you. See, I can't remember the word I was trying to say. Thank you. My friend Alex, help me out. So God raises up Daniel to write this book to the nation, to the Jews. Why? To answer. They had many questions about God. Are you there? Do you care? And Daniel rose up and said, yes, he is, and yes, he does, just like he does for you. He wrote it to encourage the Jews, to tell them of God's purposes, not only for them, but for us as well. So the question today for you is, who do you relate most to? Is it the Jews? Are you feeling today alone and abandoned in your life, doubting that God is good and that he has and does care? He has a plan and does care for you? Um, man, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. That's who God is, and that's what he has for you, just like he did for Daniel. Or do you relate really more to Daniel, who was yanked up, torn away from everything that he knew to be familiar, dropped into a foreign land where he had to learn to trust God from moment to moment in a way he had never done before. You see, Daniel knew the answer to the test. He knew it was not about him. Just like it's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about God. Whatever is going on right now, it's all about God. And Daniel knew that. And so he knew that God had a plan. And so he knew that he was part of the plan and part of the provision, perhaps for all those that he was around. He becomes a counselor to four major pagan kings. That's incredible. He brings light to a dark land, just like you and I. We are light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That is you and that is me, wherever you are. If you've ever wondered if God knows what he's doing, then listen to this. Because there's another great patriarch that came before Daniel that his life resembles a lot of what Daniel went through. He was torn from his land and his people as well, not at the hand of an evil captor, but at the hand of his own brothers. That's a story of Joseph. It's another story of a, of a man that God sent ahead to deliver a people. But did Joseph feel like that in the middle of all that? Surely not. In the pit where his brothers delivered him, in the prison where he found himself, or in the palace where he ultimately ends up. Listen what Joseph says at the end of Joseph's story. 
um, he reveals himself to his brothers, and he tells them, ah, don't, never fear. And the, these are his words from Genesis 45, 4, 5, and 7. I am your brother Joseph, because they didn't even recognize him. When you sold, whom you sold into Egypt, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life really their life. And see, they tried to kill him. And God sent me here, again, he repeats, before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep you alive for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. You might be Joseph today. God has put you exactly where you are for a purpose, and it's a great one. It is his purpose, and it's his plan, and I hope you join me in the study of Daniel and find out exactly what God has in store for you today through the study of the book of Daniel. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you do have a purpose and a plan for every one of us, and let us be women today who learn to trust and obey you and become part of the most powerful, life-changing force in human history, your hands and your feet, and it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.